welcome everyone to another episode of Cinema Smoketography. I am your friendly neighborhood hookahologist, and joining me here today is absolutely no one. Is the microphone on this time? Yes, it is. So this is the second time I'm recording this podcast because I forgot to turn on. I forgot to turn on the microphone, so I really spent like 45 minutes talking to myself and kind of for practice, really. So um, way to go, Tommy. So what are we talking about today? If you haven't guessed it by now, we're talking about the season premiere, ep- season two, episode one of The Mandalorian, The Marshal. Now this show is phenomenal. I love it to death. All right, so we are smoking out of the Union Hookah. We have the Kapushan smoking some foreplay on peach because remember people, you can have foreplay without peaches. And our unofficial sponsor today is Tea Time, per usual. Today we're smoking a, we're smoking, we are drinking a honey lemon tea prepared by the homies, and it is great. Well, technically joining me are my two cats, Artemis and Aries. You'll see them running around because they don't know how to take a break. So, what can I say about this episode? Oh my god, I was so pumped. I've been waiting for this to come back all year long, and now that it's finally here, I am excited. So, let's start by saying, fantastic first episode, great way to start the season off, and then we have to go back to Tatooine, where we're going to find Boba Fett's armor. More about that in a minute. So, let's just recap. Now, the child, or Baby Yoda, whichever one you prefer, is now with Mando. He is a, technically a foundling. For those who don't know what a foundling is, it is an orphan brought into the Mandalorian lifestyle. Because being Mandalorian isn't a race, it is a creed that you take to become part of this elite warrior race, for the most part. Mandalorians are like Saiyans from Dragon Ball Z. That's all I'm gonna say. Right? I firmly believe that. So, we have Pedro Pascal rejoining us as Mando, and we have a couple different couple different cat couple different people playing some amazing roles in this mo- in this show so let's get started so where have we left off now it's probably just a couple weeks after you know mando's left left to find baby yoda baby yoda's family so he is now finding a society of wizards wizards referring to as jedi because let's face it they're space wizards so Sorry, guys, I'm a little peeved at myself for not turning on the microphone and having to go over this again, but, you know, mistakes happen. So, we now see that Mando is going to going to find out what's going on and how to, how, to perp- how to find Baby Yoda's, you know, people. So, Mando is now going into a fight, pretty much a fight club with two Gamorrean guards. For those who don't know what Gamorrean guards are, the Gamorreans were the hog-like aliens that guarded Jabba in Jabba's palace. So he's watching a fight and trying to figure this out and he's trying to find another Mandalorian. His idea is he's going to find more Mandalorians to kind of help him out with finding Baby Yoda's people. Right? Because the Mandalorians have a very interesting history with Jedi. Those two never really got along. There was only one Mandalorian, Mandalore the Great, who was the only Mandalorian to be accepted into the Jedi Order. So we go loosely into that, but that's more of the uh, Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels series where they take a more deep dive. If you want to know more about that, leave me in the comment section below. Maybe we can do that for another podcast. 
but man, I was excited for this this series. So, Mando finds out that there was only one Mandalorian, which this gangster really knows, and they are trying to, the only reason he gets the information is because he kind of beats it out of him, or scares him half to death, because this gangster wants Beskar Steel. Beskar Steel is the most rarest and strongest metal in the Star Wars universe, right? So it is very valuable. The price of Beskar has gone up since, since you know, it's been pretty much gone for the most part. Only Mandalorians have it. So he has to go back to Tatooine. He didn't even know that there was a Mandalorian on Tatooine, and everyone knows the only Mandalorian on Tatooine that we know of, and who is rumored to be dead, is Boba Fett. So it's very interesting to see that they have to go back to Tatooine to try to figure this out. So Mando goes to Tatooine and starts a whole new adventure. What I do like about this is that they do really well with practical effects and not to use too much CGI like they did in the prequels. So that's what I really do love about this series. Very Western, very gritty, and it's very practical. Done with a lot of practical effects, more to CGI effects. They use CGI when necessary, but it's still really nice to see. So Mando goes back to Mos Eisley. And Mos Eisley, we only know about two settlements of Mos Eisley. We're going to be introduced to a third today. So we have Mos Espas, Mos Eisley, and now Mos Palgo. A forgotten settlement and that well known on the map of Tatooine. So we are introduced to our first real Easter egg and cameo. If you remember R5, Lars, the first Lars family droid before he self-destructs when uh, Owen Lars tries to purchase him, right? So we see a return of R5, and it's actually really funny to see, right? Because you have to be a real keen eye to notice that kind of thing. I had a feeling it was him, and then I, you know, did a little bit of research, and it is the same R5 unit, so it's actually really cool, right? Before R2 became the, uh, the droid of Luke Skywalker. Could you imagine R5 going on this adventure with uh, C-3PO instead of R2-D2? I guess the story wouldn't progress too well, too well without him, but still, I think that would be a very interesting thing to see. So we're now introduced to, you see Mando get a speeder because he couldn't take the laser crest because it would make too much noise and they, wouldn't, they would see him coming a mile away and no one would talk to him. So he takes the speeder that he got from the previous time he was out there on Tatooine down to Mos Pelgo. And... Everyone's kind of, as he rides in, everyone's kind of like nervous to see because no one's ever seen a Mandalorian. You only hear stories about how, how everything was done back then. So it was very interesting to see how other people interact with Mandalorians around. So Mando, Mando goes into the bar, talks to the barkeep, and he's like, hey, I'm looking for a Mandalorian. And this was actually kind of funny. He's like, what does he look like? Mando, looking at him, be like, um, well, he'll look exactly like me. He's like, oh, the marshal. The Marshal wears Mandalorian armor. And that's when we're introduced to Timothy Offset's character of Cobb Vanth. So if you're not familiar with Cobb Vanth, he's actually a very... He's a character that was written in the Star Wars Aftermath novels. So if you want to know more about him, I suggest reading Aftermath and he'll be introduced introduced there. So Timothy, Vanth, Timothy Offset, Cobb Vanth, he is now you know, walking into the bar and he's like, You know what? Get me a drink. For me and my buddy here. So he grabs two glasses, he grabs a bottle of, I forgot what they called it, but he walks over to, to sit down and have a chat with him. 
Mando, assuming he's a Mandalorian, talks to him like a Mandalorian. He's like, well, I'm not Mandalorian. I bought this off some Jawas. You're probably going to want it back, right? You're probably not too happy with me wearing it. And he's not. And it's so interesting to see and what I think this, what has been a real challenge with the Mandalorian is the fact that we as people see other people's interactions and their facial expressions to kind of connect with these characters we see on screen. Mando has never taken his helmet off except for in front of IG-11, which is a non-living being. And Mando even states that once I take my helmet off in front of a human or in front of a living being, I cannot put it back on. Right? So he refuses to take off his helmet except for the one time he really needed to. So he's talking, talking, he's like, well, you're going to take off that armor or I'm going to take it off for you. And he's, and uh, Cobb's looking at Baby Yoda and he's like, you're going to do this in front of the kid? And Mando replies, it's such a badass way to, he has seen worse. I thought that was so boss. I was like, how are you going to say that to the Mandalorian? Like, really, bro? You're going to try to pick a fight with that guy? You know how many people he's killed, right? You hear the stories. So I thought that was actually really cool and really really kind of funny. Like their interaction between each other is actually super, super nice. So before they can actually fight, we hear a rumbling around. So that's a little dramatic, but if you know me, I'm a little dramatic. So we find out that a doomed dragon has been terrorizing most Pelo. And a doomed dragon is a very scary thing. It shoots acid, it's a very skeleton-like creature, it's very, very terrifying. And we actually see a skeleton of a Dune Dragon in, I think, A New Hope, where C-3PO is wandering the desert and you see a skeleton of of dead Dune Dragon. So that was actually really cool to see, see one actually there. So we're introduced there and now Cobb is talking about, like, tell you what, I'll make you a deal. You help me kill this thing, I'll give you the armor. And Mando's like, you got a deal. So they're going to find out where this thing is and how they're going to kill it. Right? So this is where our next big Easter egg, and I probably the best Easter egg I've I seen in this show so far, is that Mando's riding on a speeder and Cobb is riding a speeder made out of Wait for it. Anakin Skywalker's turbine from his pod racer. Oh my god, I tripped out so hard. I was geeking out 100% when I saw that. I'm like, dude, that's legit. Too legit to quit. Mando got his... Got is riding around with Anakin Skywalker technically and it was it was so cool I, I love that little Easter egg super dope so they're going to figure out how they're where to find the dragon and then they come across a tribe of Tusken Raiders and this is very interesting Mando can speak Tusken Raider and it's it's a little interesting language like I really wish I had the patience to kind of learn this because it takes it's a lot of grunting and a lot of kind of talk and it's very interesting to see because you don't you, all you see is the Tuscan Raiders go like I'm probably butchering that but you get what I mean right so they're now figuring out they have allies to kill this thing and the Tuscan Raiders 
hate it just as much because it's been terrorizing there, eating their banthas, you know, killing their people, and they've studied it for years, trying to figure out how it works, how it eats, how it sleeps, and how they're going to be able to kill it. So this is a very interesting scene, a very, and very, you see how sensitive the Tuscan Raider culture is. I say that because as they're driving by, Cobb explains how he was able to get Boba Fett's armor. So this is where it kind of ties into the, it ties into episode six a little bit too. So Cobb explains like, well, Mos Pelgo was a very, after the Empire left and we saw the explosion of the second Death Star, right? So the, the Imperials were leaving, everyone was kind of rejoicing, Mos Eisley was shooting off blasters and everyone was having fun, but they didn't have peace for very long. Probably lasted all five minutes, probably. You see a band of miners kind of take over the town and start opening fire in the bar. Cobb escapes and steals what he thought was water, but really was a case full of crystals. Mining crystals that he didn't even realize. So he was wandering the desert for a couple days where he was rescued by uh, a group of Jawas. Right? Not the same group of Jawas that sold R5 and C3PO because, well, they were all killed. So it's a new set of Jawas, and they found Boba Fett's armor. And which is very interesting. I want to know how Boba Fett actually left his armor, right? You'd think he would keep it with him. But he didn't. So Cobb opened it up, and as he was drinking water, he opened up the thing for crystals, and he's like, well, I'm going to sell this. I need to get, figure out how to, how to help my people. Right? And this is very interesting, because you see Boba Fett's armor just kind of plastered there. He's like, I want that. That is what I want. I actually have the scene right now. Actually, I'm probably going to play a little bit of how intimidating Cobb was with this. And Cobb looks so funny in that armor. I am telling you, he looks like the Little League guy who is too tall for the team and looks like he has a family in the bleachers. So it, Obviously, the armor doesn't fit him because it was meant to fit Boba Fett. Right? get a visual up there for you guys probably if I remember but it just he looks super funny in that armor so as he's explaining what happens he goes back to Mos Pogo and he's now in the bar and everyone's looking really intimidated because you see Beskar armor and you see a Mandalorian or someone wearing that armor you know that they're badass right you are scared because you know that they're there to either kill you or they're just passing through Right, so obviously he's going to liberate the town. So what he does with, and it is so badass to see Boba Fett's arm, just to see anything Boba Fett related. I, when I was growing up, I thought Boba Fett was the most coolest character next to Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. So it was real fun to see. So he's now like fully used to using the using all of Boba's stuff. So they're all now looking at him. He pulls out his gun, and starts shooting, and everyone's like shooting back at him. And you can see the, that the best car armor is just like. Beep. Not phasing him, right? So Beskar steel is, like I said, the strongest metal in Star Wars. So to see that kind of happen, oh hey Artemis, how you doing, babe? But my cat wants to not hang out with me, right? So and they're all escaping. The, the uh, thugs are leaving, and Boba Fett just put on uh, Boba Fett. I was like Cobb puts on the little tracker, like ding ding ding, locks the missile on them, and then. Blows him up, right? And now he's now the marshal or the protector of 
Los Pelgo. So it was actually really fun to see, right? To see all that kind of happen. So we get a little bit of a backstory of how Cobb got the armor, right? And we always, I always wondered how we got out of this Arlac Bay. I, I hope they explain that in the next episode or one of the episodes coming, right? So now we're, the Tuscan Raiders are kind of talking with Mando and Cobb about what they know about the dragon so far. And Cobb is handed this, what looks to be a rotten pumpkin, and he stabs it, and he's like, what am I supposed to do with this? He's like, you're supposed to drink it. He's like, I'm not drinking this. This is disgusting. And the Tuscan Raiders are very offended. Like, you're not gonna, you're, first you take our water, now you're gonna disrespect us by not drinking our drink, which is very common, right? Because if you, you refuse, like, a drink or food from another person's household or something, if you're visiting, it's viewed as a term of disrespect and that's how the Tuscan Raiders are taking it. He's like, well, I was there. He's like, no, we didn't take your water. We defended it from you, blah, blah, blah. So it was like a point and fingers kind of get kind of thing. And they're like, no, this is not what it's like. So the next day kind of happens. Mando kind of diffuses the situation, like uses his flamethrower and tells him like, look, we bought a, we got, we got a job to do. Stop it. Both of you. So they now see where the Dune Dragon is hiding or sleeping. The Dune Dragon is actually living inside of an empty Sarlacc pit. And this is where one of the funniest funniest kind of quips come from. Be like, I've never heard of an empty Sarlacc pit. And he's like, well, it's empty if something eats it. Right, so it is the dragon who you know, probably spit acid and ate the Sarlacc. Right, so now it lives in its empty shell. Which was kind of kind of interesting. So now that we are seeing how the dragon kind of eats, the Tuscan Raiders explain that it is going to be, it was going to sleep for a while because they figured out its eating and sleeping patterns because of, you know, how well they've been studying it. So they're, they're trying to figure out how they're going to kill it. So the Tuscan Raiders have a little, have a little mound and kind of created a strategy and then Mando explains to them in Tuscan. And they spread a little bit more, and Cobb's like, what, what's going on? Like, what, what are those extras? He's like, well, your village is going to be reinforcements. And Cobb's looking at him like, boy, you're crazy. That's not happening. So now Mando and Cobb are going back to the village of Mos Palgo to try to get everyone else to kind of help out with this plan. So they're not fans of Tusken Raiders, and the Tusken Raiders are not fans of them. So it's like two rival, like, beehives or anthills like conversion on one spot instead of working together they want to kill each other right but mando explains that look you're the marshal of this village they are going to they respect what you have to say so if you're on board they're going to be on board with you so everyone's already not okay with the uh, with the idea but mando explains is that the tuscan raiders may be raiders and these savages right but they are people of their word and they explain that if you do not attack them, they will leave you alone. As long as you guys don't break the peace, they're not gonna break the peace. They kind of calm the tensions, and you can see the tensions kind of rise as they're, as the Tuscans come into Mos Palgo. They're, you know, supplying the explosives to kind of help figure out because the the underbelly of the dragon is its weak point, right? So they're, that's where they're going to attack. So one of the explosives was dropped by a Tuscan Raider and one of the villagers was yelling at him and then Cobb goes in and they're like, look, it was an accident, calm down, we're all gonna be okay here. So they all start going to 
to the cave where the dragon's sleeping. Right, so this is where they had a little bit of time to prepare. So they dug a trench, put all the explosives right there. Well, half the explosives, right? They have, they have some more on Abantha. But Mando and Cobb were just kind of waiting it out and going with the plan. As they're going, they're trying to figure out how they're going to do this. So now, everything's set for the big, big attack. Everyone's ready. So now they and you see Tuscan Raiders. It looked pretty goddamn medieval. They had like catapults with spears on them and everything. So it was, it was going to be a fight, and it was not going to be a fight where it was. It wasn't going to be easy. Is what I'm trying to say. So we now see. Oh, where's the cat? I got distracted, sorry. Now you see everyone kind of get ready. Three Tusken Raiders go to try to wake it up and they just scream into the into the cave. And for some odd reason, that wakes it up. Like I, You would think it would be like an explosion or something shooting at it to be, be more annoying, but the trick is to get the dragon mad to have him come out to where the explosives are. So once the dragon kind of opens its mouth and kind of comes out a little bit. They're now shooting it with all these spears and everything trying to get it out. And you see that the dragon's trying to go back into the cave and you see Tusken Raiders trying to pull, but it's not working. Tusken Raiders are flying. Some people are there, some people are not. And the villagers are throwing grenades, concussion grenades and try to get it, get its attention to get it to come out more. And you can see Cobb getting very impatient. You can see him kind of going out and be like, oh, no, 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 not yet, not yet, not yet. And he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Not yet. And then... Finally comes out to where the explosives are, right here, and it blows up. Right, they set them off. And then it's quiet. Super quiet. Everyone's wondering if it worked. Well, it didn't. Because why would it? It's never that easy, right? Not in Star Wars. So the dragon is now on top of the mountain range of where it's, where it's been staying. Spewing acid, like, just pretty much creating co constant chaos. So Mando and Cobb go up to the top and start getting its attention, start getting it more mad, and it comes back down for the final for the final act. Now this is where Mando had a plan, and he tells Cobb, "Watch the child," as he grabs the grabs the detonator, goes to the other bantha where all the other explosives are, and he's like, "Gets attention." So Cobb fires his rocket, and it has him running toward not running, but like coming towards Mando. Mando gets eaten by the by the dragon. The dragon goes back underground. Then as he comes back up again, you can see Mando just blasting his way out, flying out of there with his jetpack, and then setting off the explosives. The explosives goes off, and it blows up from the inside. Whoop to do. That's pretty much how it usually goes, right? Oldest trick in the book. Get the monster to eat eat the explosives and blow it up from the inside, which was pretty clever, granted, but it is something we've all seen before. So, Cobb and everyone are celebrating. The The Tusken Raiders are taking the meat away for, for, for eating. Mando gets a slab and Baby Yoda's trying to eat it. He's like, sorry, buddy, I'm not cooking that just yet. So, we, uh, we that's pretty much where it ends, right? And you see Mando take the armor. Everyone's kind of happy and Mando rides away. But this is where the biggest cameo comes in. Like I said, Tamora, Moore, Tamora Morrison, the actor who played Jango Fett, all the clones in the prequel series, 
and voiced Boba Fett as a dub, as a dub in the new uh, remakes of episodes 5 and 6 of Boba Fett. And you just see him watch Mando drive right away, and you just see his face. And he looks scarred. Like, he's got a scar right here. Like, he looks... He's all bald. Right? And he, and he looks like a nomad. Like, he doesn't look like he wants to be a bounty hunter. So, I'm very interested to see their interaction come between the next episode. I'm assuming the next episode is what we're gonna... We're finally gonna see Boba Fett interact with, with him. And maybe even go with him on his adventure to kind of figure it out and teach him the ways of, man, of the Mandalorian culture a little bit more. Because... You know, Boba Fett is a Mandalorian, or not, depending on your take of what you take in the what you take in the Clone Wars. So that was actually really interesting to see. I'm actually really interested to see how they're going to introduce Boba Fett into this, because we kind of got a tease in the last time he was there, and he may have killed killed the the target that they, Mando was going after in that episode, but. Nonetheless, we are going to see Boba Fett return into Star Wars canon, and I am more than happy to see it. I love Boba Fett, so it's going to be very interesting to see how they interact now, right? Are there any downsides to this episode? Um, yeah, a little bit, because I don't like... I'm not a fan of one-shot episodes. Like, we all... I mean, they, we all get them in any TV show. There's just one episode that doesn't really fit with the overall story it doesn't move the plot forward anywhere this, I, this is one of those episodes i feel kind of hits that but there's a lot more plus sides there's a lot of good you know easter eggs for good for longtime star wars fans like i said if there are more let me know in the comment section below i want to know what i missed because i'm going to rewatch it again probably one or two more times because like i said this episode was just a real good way to start off the season right so there's that um, what do I give it? A 10 out of 10, because it's The Mandalorian, and it is great. But that's all I pretty much have for you guys today. So be sure to find me on Instagram and or Twitter under the underscore hookahologist. Look for this beautiful face on Facebook under Tommy Rodriguez. And for more podcasts, YouTube videos, and, you know, overall fun stuff about hookah, find us on Facebook as well under the hookahologist. Until next time, guys. Keep smoking.